0: I am John, this is the Think Inclusive
1: podcast. Recording from my office in beautiful Marietta, Georgia, you are listening to the Think Inclusive podcast, episode 16. Today we have John Spencer, speaker and author of Empower and Launch, entertaining and practical books that help us to rethink how we deliver content and engage students in the learning process. We talk about what it looks like to help students own their learning, including students with disabilities. After the podcast, please stop by our Patreon page, where you can support our goal to bring you in-depth interviews with inclusive education and community advocacy thought leaders. In order to cover our hosting, transcription, and production costs, we need to meet our goal of $100 per month. Please help us keep this vital resource available to everyone by pledging your support of $1, $5, $10, or $20 per month. When you pledge as little as $1 per month, you get access to our patron-only feed for blog posts, special edition podcasts, and picture updates along the way. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Physical Attraction, a podcast that tries to explain physics one pickup line at a time. From the laws of nature to the end of the world, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and on Twitter at physicspod. So without further ado... Here is the interview. I'd like to welcome John Spencer to the Think Inclusive podcast. Uh, John is a professor and author in Oregon. Uh, he is the author of Empower and Launch, um, which are which is part of what we're going to talk about today. And also he is passionate about seeing every child embrace a maker mindset. Uh, thank you for... Being on the Think uh, Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Okay, so um, number one, I don't think we. I I don't know a whole lot about you other than I think we have mutual friends, right, uh, from mm-hmm. way back when, and you lived in Arizona, which is what we talked about before we started recording. Um, so, how long have you been an educator?
0: Um, so I started.
1: Gosh, this would have been, like, maybe 14
0: years ago, I I started teaching middle school. Okay. Um, I had worked for an inner-city faith-based nonprofit, and um, from there, I decided, you know, I really want to be a teacher in uh, in the same community, and so I taught middle school for 12 years, and then now for the last two years, I've been teaching uh, at the university level.
1: Fantastic, and so so your middle school experience. Then um, uh, that's interesting that you have that you you stayed with middle school. Um, is that what I guess what drew you to uh, middle middle school age students?
0: You know, I think for me there were a lot of things about middle school that were significant. I think you know I had my my best teacher was in the eighth grade. Um, you know, she was a a teacher who, you know, for the first time ever, I got to, to truly own learning in, in her class and I did a year long project. It was this really cool, um, history day project. Um, and, you know, I think it had, had a huge impact on my life. Um, you know, I think that particular year, um, was interesting for other reasons, um, you know, difficult for other reasons, um, that, that year I had a, a friend in the eighth grade who, um, committed suicide. And so it was a really, um, emotional year as well. And, um, and so I think, I, I think, you know, um, when I majored in education, I really thought I would be in high school. Uh, and then I did student teaching in the middle school and thought, you know what, this is, this is where I belong. This is, this is, um, what I love doing, and uh, I, I just kind of ended up in there, <laughs> like I really thought I would be a high school teacher, uh, but, but from the first day I started student teaching in middle school, I kind of realized this, this, this is my place.
1: Um, so, so after working so many years in middle school, um, I guess what, um, what helped you make the transition to teaching at the university level?
0: I think for me, the the ease of the transition was that I had, had done a lot of um, you know professional development for teachers. I'd, I'd done conferences and keynotes and things like that, um, the workshops, a lot of a lot of uh, professional development um, at my district. So I was really comfortable working with um, current teachers, um, new teachers, pre-service teachers, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of an easy transition there. And I think I was just ready for uh, something different. You know, I, I had loved teaching middle school, but I was ready to. I just started to, to I guess, develop a passion for helping pre-service teachers become, you know, teachers and, and reach their potential.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about your book. So um, launch, which was written a couple years ago is that right or is it recent more recent than that yeah let's see How, about a year and a half ago okay yeah. okay and uh and could you tell me because that that's uh, i i um uh, read power, but i did not read launch so maybe you could tell me and um, our listeners what launch is about yeah,
0: so launch is uh, um, basically about the design thinking process. And, you know, there's a lot of different frameworks out there. But um, AJ Giuliani and I had developed um, kind of a K-12 one. Um, and so the the gist of it is there's it's an acronym. And I know people hate acronyms, but, <laughs> but it's an acronym. So it stands for uh, launch. The L stands for look, listen, and learn. And that's kind of where you start with awareness. It, it could be you know, uh, awareness of a problem, it could be um, awareness of a social issue, it could be um, empathy that you have toward an audience. Um, and then from there, you you kind of move into inquiry, and that's the A, and that's uh, ask tons of questions. Then the U is understand the process or problem, and that's when kids are uh, engaged in some kind of research. And it could be um, interviews, needs assessments, it could be um, online research, could be books, whatever. Uh, And then they begin to ideate and plan and and kind of brainstorm, and that's the navigate ideas, so that's the end of the launch. And then uh, a big portion of it is C, which is create a prototype, so they're uh, creating something that they're going to actively iterate and improve and change, and that's the, the next piece, H, which is where they highlight what's working and fix what's failing, and, um, and then when that's finished, they, they launch it to an audience. And that, that last piece is, is really significant. Um, I think it's important that students, you know, share their work with, you know, an, an authentic audience.
1: Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that uh, this was something that you developed while you were in middle school and, uh, and, and teaching middle school students. And, yeah. um, so, um, and, and so I, I wanted to I want to kind of bring it um, that idea of the design process, and then also you know when we talk about empower about mm-hmm. students and um, and you your the design thinking f- um, is can be applicable for all students, including students with special needs or student you know yeah. students with disabilities, however you want to say it. Um, and I w- wanted to see if, if, if you could uh, talk a little bit about how you can still do this, this type of uh, design thinking with students with disabilities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, first of all, it really is like any subject. So, you know, I taught self-contained, so I taught all subjects. And, um, you know, it fits every subject, um, and it fits every type of learner. Um, and, and you will have to provide support still. Um, and and that piece is important. So, you know, um, when, when I, um, taught self-contained, I had the students who, um, were ELL and I had, um, students who were gifted and then I had a good portion in the class, um, who were classified as special ed. So basically I had, uh, nobody in my class didn't have some, some kind of a label attached to it. Right. Um, and uh, they all needed different types of support. So it is important that accommodations are still happening and things like that. Um, but what I'll, what I'll say is um, I definitely think it works with students um, who, you know, qualify as special ed or like you said, you know, whatever terminology you want to use, special needs. Um, and there's a lot of great examples of that. So, you know, I had students who, um, were labeled as um nonverbal autistic and um you know they they were they thrived in the design process um you know when we did things like the design a roller coaster project or um, building a city um these were some moments where they really really shined um, you know it was powerful to see them um share their work with the world so I, like i, I I give the example of um, we use the design process for student blogging, and I had a student who um, didn't really say anything um, at all and uh, who really struggled with certain areas of um, articulation. But by going through this process and um, having the time to iterate and improve and revise, it was really cool to watch him um, uh, develop this, uh, video game blog. And, uh, and it was so cool to watch the power, kind of the power of the launch where he was sharing his work with the world. And in, in this case, you know, he published it on a blogging platform. I still remember the the day where, um, you know, it was just maybe the second week of school and he, he, he wasn't, I mean, because he was nonverbal, there were, weren't a lot of conversations and he kind of had in many ways been, um, excluded as much as I was trying to create an inclusive community you know it was early on in the year and I was still trying to figure out how to make this work
1: and I and I still remember
0: you know suddenly there's 10 comments on his blog and so many kids are into his blog and I remember um, you know just the power of of uh, for him to to have an audience was really cool Um, so I don't know if I answered your question I just think um the the process can be um applicable to all students i guess is what
1: i would say yeah and and i i think um i think one of the one of the things is that is y- you actually have to believe that um all students can do this so i yeah, think, i think absolutely. what i think one of the barriers is that when you think about projects based learning or des, you know design thinking or i don't know I, I don't know how to yeah. say all that stuff, but, um, uh, students, you know, who are nonverbal, who have limited speech, you know, who have particular disabilities, they're just not even thought of in the process of like, uh, that, they, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't even get anything out of it. Um, so yeah. number one for, for an educator to be like, well, of course they're going to be included in this and we are going to, you know, Whatever they're able, however they, however they are able to access the curriculum or access um, uh, letting us know what they prefer or choose is the way that we can get them to, uh, you know, buy into their own learning. Um, So, so I think that that's, I think that's like number one really is, Mm -hmm. is actually believing that our students can do this no matter you know, no matter who they are, what label they have. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's, I mean, I'm just excited to hear that that's, that's something that was even on your mind. Um,
0: well, and, and I want to
1: point something else out, like, you know,
0: one of the, one of the, uh, one of the valuable things in the navigate ideas phase, they have to engage in project management. And so there's a big metacognition piece and there's a big, um, well, like project planning piece. And, um, because of the need for accommodations, I had a lot, I had several students who um, had issues with uh, executive function. And so the strategies of helping them through executive function um, in project planning turned out to be strategies that every student benefited from. And it's a little bit like, you know, it's the whole idea that universal access isn't just for people with a label. Universal access helps everyone, it's the same kind of idea every student benefited from the um the s- structured aspect of learning how to plan or learning how to break down tasks or does that make sense
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. um i um why don't why don't we talk a, a little bit about what that looks like and i know that you you um you talk about it in empower um, mm-hmm. about, you know, what it actually looks like in the classroom for this to happen. Um, and the I guess maybe the fear of that you're losing control of the classroom, that there's mm-hmm. going to be too many people doing too many different things, that, you know, it's going to be too loud. It's, mm-hmm. um, there's all of these different, I guess, perceived yeah. barriers to doing something like this, uh, including... Like, well, I, you know, John, I've got a curriculum that I need to teach. You know, I have standards that I need to teach. When am I yeah. going to have time to do this? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, maybe yeah. maybe you can address some of those those fears or concerns.
0: Oh, definitely. So, you know, I think I'll just give the example of, um, you know, um, what am I going to do with having so many kids doing so many different things at the same time? And I think, you know, um that That piece is is significant in terms of um you already have kids doing so many different things at the same time, like if you're teaching one lesson and assuming that you're teaching it to all kids, there's a whole group of your classroom that's already off task doing something different, <laughs> so like already that's that's already happening that some of them are are not doing the same thing as others they're already not not working at the same pace. We know that uh, in every lesson that we teach. And so, you know, the question is, um, you know, what happens if, if they are doing something different that's productive? You know, what happens if they're doing something that is actually connected to learning? And um, it is tough. You, you do have to let go of a little bit of control as a teacher. Um, but if there's high motivation, then... You know, you end up with higher engagement, um, and so uh, I mean that's that's a. I realize that's, that that it, it's not always going to work perfectly, but I think it's important to remember ahead of time that it's all, it, it's not working perfectly already. The the status quo is not, in many cases, not working. Um, but with that said, uh, it, some of the some of the big questions—the curriculum app question, or the time question, or um, even the assessment question—that comes up all the time—I think those really come down to um, the idea that design thinking or empowering your students, kind of either either of those two ideas—they're not about adding something new to your plate. It's it's about a different way of organizing your plate, right? It's 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 about um, structuring your classroom in a different way and it is a little bit rocky at first like it, it I, I can't promise it's going to work perfectly I can't promise it's always going to be this <laughs> utopia but when the engagement goes up and students are are empowered um, when they own their learning that kind of stuff happens you know you do find that um that it works I mean that's. uh I, in terms of how it actually works, I think there are some strategies that we that that, that we know can help out. So if you take the curriculum map uh, example, you know, the curriculum map tells you everything you have to learn um, at a given time, right? So um, you have to teach this standard on this day, this standard on that day. But it doesn't tell you what you can't teach. And so, if you have all students hitting one particular standard, but you're empowering all of your you know, students to hit other different types of standards, um, you're not breaking with the curriculum map. You're just you know, teaching to all of your students. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you have to kind of use the language that the principals use you know, or the leaders. So um, I always said, like, if we did a design thinking process um, and it was in language arts, I'll give that as an example. Yeah, I was making sure that we that the uh, standard and objective on the board fit the curriculum map, and they, they were in my lesson plans. But we're also hitting several other standards that are significant. And if a principal asked me, you know, why are you doing these standards? I could say, well, we're just spiraling back to standards, or those are review standards. Or if a principal said, you know, why why do you have 10 kids who are all learning different objectives right now? I would say this is embedded intervention and enrichment. Um and those types of things were really helpful. Um I don't know if I answer your question. This is such a big question. Oh yeah, yeah, it I, it, yeah.
1: it is a big question. Um Yeah. And I don't think you know, I don't think there is one particular answer as far as you know how you're going to do that. I think but I think the biggest thing is that you have to be creative. You know, you mm-hmm. as as the as the teacher, you have to be creative and say you know, how am I going to make this work and be committed to it, you know, making it work. And I, I like, um, I think it's an empower, uh, that you talk about, um, if this is kind of a new concept or you just want to kind of put your toe into the water a little bit, um, to try out just one project uh, Mm -hmm. with this thinking. And one of the best ways to do it, and I think this is brilliant is to do it during kind of the lame duck season, you know, which would be like <laughs> testing. <laughs> like uh like you have, you know, your your whole morning shot because you you know you did you, you're doing the state test, but you have all afternoon and rather than just kind of plodding along like you normally would, use that as an exa- as a way to introduce uh this project, you know, so you can yes. really keep the yeah. um,
0: or, or the the week before winter break, <laughs> yeah, right. Those types of
1: things <laughs> right, for right. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, Thank you. In fact, I think um, uh, I I even tried that um, with my class last year. I, I'm a I'm no longer a classroom teacher. Um, I'm more of a mm-hmm. I'm more of a consultant now w- with my district. But um, when I did have my classroom. Um, we, we made, uh, we did audio interviews, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, where we would mm-hmm. interview each other. And that was a really fun, you know, example of just something different. You know, we aren't, you know, we are not writing a story. We're not, you know, uh, like not, not everyone's doing the same thing, but everyone's getting access to something a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. so
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was, that was really fun. Um, and I, encourage, I encourage uh, teachers to, you know, t- take those times where you're, you're like, oh, you know, we don't have enough time to really go through the, you know, the rest of the, this particular curriculum. So let's, you know, mix it up a little bit. Um, so I, I want to talk about um, this idea of compliance in education, uh, which was in the Forward and in, in Empower and I really, it really struck me um, that you know compliance should not be the end goal uh, of education, and mm-hmm. and it kind of goes kind of goes to this idea that you know the classroom should be you know well organized and ordered and just so, and students are doing exactly what the teacher is telling them to do if there's any deviation, then the class is out of control and, you know, it reflects against the teacher, you know? So, um, I just, you know, I wanted to know if you, if you would talk about that a little bit and, and, and I guess give me your, you know, take on why compliance isn't enough. Yeah.
0: So I kind of view it as a, um, like this was in the, Right, it was in the forward. I I, I put together kind of this, the spectrum of, um, uh, of, of agency, and you start at, a, at one side where students have no no real agency at all. They're just they're just following the rules, and and that's compliance. And then they move into uh, a place of engagement where they have some agency, but it's still about what the teacher wants, right? So they're following the teacher, but at least things are interesting to them, right? And But then when you move out of just student interest into like true ownership, then you're in that place where students are empowered. And I think it's significant for a couple of different reasons. Like I go to the heart of what what we want from our kids, right? So you know, I'm a dad. We've got three kids, Um I know a lot of parents, and if you ask parents, you know, what do you want for your kid in life, they'll say, I want my kid to be a lifelong learner. I want my kid to be successful in in a job. I want my kid to be uh, a critical-thinking democratic citizen, right? Like, those are the types of answers you get. And none of those answers ever include compliance. Like, if you're a really great democratic, critical thinking citizen who's engaged with your world, then compliance is not your goal. (laughs) If you are going to enter the creative economy and um, think like an entrepreneur and be different and, 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 and push the envelope and be innovative, then you're probably not going to be aiming for compliance. You know, if you're going to be a lifelong learner who pursues your interests and passions and Study things on your own, then you're probably not going to be compliant because that would mean you're, you're waiting to be told what to do. And mm. so I kind of think like compliance is really the in in many ways the opposite of what we what we want from kids um, what we truly want them to become uh, as they grow up
1: uh, right, so I guess as a follow up question about about compliance. Um, Mm -hmm. did you see, I guess, the behavior of your students change when you implement um, this design thinking? Like behavior as in, you know, difficult or challenging behavior.
0: Yeah, so I would say this. Like the, the worst behaviors that I had in the class, um, or the, 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 those times that were cringeworthy as a teacher, those moments where I, you know, shamed the kid or I yelled at the class, those were always times where I was demanding compliance and I was trying to get students to follow me for the sake of following me rather than thinking about how to help them become the self-directed and self-regulated and whatnot. They they were also always the times when we were doing an, an assignment that was totally teacher directed, right so they were they were the worst moments of of teaching, um, but they were also very compliance driven. On the other hand, you know when we were when students were designing things or when they were even doing um, you know choice driven silent reading or when they were doing, you know, blogging or whatever, so not just design thinking but but in general just the the other types of things that we were doing um where they that where they felt empowered you know, there there weren't a lot of discipline issues um I'm not saying it was perfect that there were still moments where kids would get upset or emotional um frustrated, you still had uh, had groups where you know kids would have conflict with each other but it was so much easier in those moments to handle it as a learning opportunity. Whereas when it was in the midst of compliance, it was almost always, you know, you jumped to this overbearing you know, discipline style. And so I, I really think like when students are truly empowered, behavior is less of an issue. And, and, and I know, there are students on behavior plans. I'm not pretending that things are, 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 are perfect. Um, you know, I I think of those, those groups I had, um, um, that I mentioned before, you know, when I taught self-contained or, or later when I taught an elective, um, you know, I had students who, you know, were labeled as ED, um, who, um, like I said, were on behavior plans and, um, things weren't perfect. You know, you never knew completely what might cause a student to um you know struggle and lose control and whatever. But I can tell you that the sense of control they felt, the sense of agency that they felt in owning their learning actually like allowed them to thrive a lot more than when they were in a compliance driven environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Um that's really interesting and um I'd I'd love to I'd love to hear more stories about that um uh, especially from you know other educators too who uh, have tried um tried to implement you know the project based learning design thinking um and I know in my own experience giving students choice uh, and allowing them to follow their passions and interests really does help with engagement, but it also does help with behavior. Because um, if you have obsessive interests in your class, or you know, the, and the, they're following, they're following through with that, they're less likely to really think or do anything else except that. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. I mean, I had in my STEM class. I remember so in the,
0: the last couple of years, I taught STEM and uh, and photojournalism. This is after I taught the self-contained group, and um you know we had um, students who had the the biggest behavioral needs were in our in our school, and they all were kind of um in their in their own self-contained classroom, and then the only class they got to be mainstreamed into was their electives and and that meant I had them for stem as a group and um I remember you know hearing uh you're people are gonna throw chairs and there's gonna be this and there's gonna be that and um you have some runners so just be be cognizant of that and it can't be a special walkie talkie and um and the truth is I I didn't I I I didn't see those behaviors. Um I did have moments where, you know, uh, there was a, a moment where a kid got upset with me not upset with me. He was upset because he was working on something he cared about, and he was frustrated, and he threw you know um, threw his folder down onto the table and and, and it was it was angry, you know
1: um,
0: but they all you know, despite that one moment, um, i like i said, I didn't have the big um, I didn't have the the throwing of chairs. I didn't have the, um, I didn't have any violent things happening, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and it was just, I think it's because they they genuinely wanted to be there. Like they they really found the class to be engaging. Um, and it was, it it was very choice driven. And, and I, and I bring that up because I was warned ahead of time that yeah, I was told specifically, I, I know you, you believe in student choice, but don't give them choice. They'll take advantage of you. I mean, that, those were the words from a, a, um, a specialist, and that just wasn't my experience. Um, I, I, I really think, I really believe in the idea that when we say all means all, we really mean it. Like, And that includes choice. That includes, um, you know, um, student ownership. I... I, I I
1: I really believe that every kid deserves access to that. Right, right. Um and uh and I I love I love love, love that you had that experience because because um, that is a common thing um that is said about students, you know, um who are struggling with, you know, with their behaviors is don't get, you know, don't give in, they're being manipulative, um, you know, uh, don't give them an inch because if you give them an inch, they're going to, you know, walk all over you and then they're, you know, you're not going to have control, you know, <laughs> so it was, it's really nice to hear you say that because um, I think it's it's easy for, it's easy for, you know, uh, people on, in the, in the special ed field special education field to think that when they do give choice or even grace right for mm-hmm. certain behaviors that they're giving in or that they're letting themselves you know be walked over um, but I think it's a I think it's a mindset right you know you are not you're not giving away anything except um acceptance of who these students are, you know, mm-hmm. so you're, so you are believing in the students' best selves when you are yeah, giving, exactly. when you are giving them choice and saying, you know, how do you want to direct this? Like, where do you want to go with this? Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and, and to hear that, that's, that students are able to make that choice and be successful with it. Um, I, I would think that that's, you know, empowering. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I love that. Um, so, uh, we're, I I don't want to take up too much of your time. So I want, um, maybe we'll have one more question. Um, uh, and I, I see, I see you as a person that has a lot of vision um, especially vision for just education in general. So where would you like to see education in the next 10 to 20 years? Oh, wow. I love that that's question. A, that's, a big, that's a big question, but... <laughs> oh, man. You know, I think I'd love to see...
0: I'd love to see education become more project-based, more authentic. I'd love to see it become... Um more connective, you know, uh, kind of breaking up the subjects and having things be interdisciplinary. Um, I'd love to see us do away with tracking. I'd love to see multiple abilities, multiple grade levels, even working together, you know I, I think that's what I would love to see. Um, uh, yeah, I am but really but really focused on creativity. I'd love to see kids um, making and designing and building and um, you know having a lot a lot more choice in what they're doing.
1: what what do you think it what do you think it would take to really it uh, for that to become a reality?
0: so I think I think one thing is it it takes teachers. Uh, valuing it and willing to take the creative risk themselves to make that happen. You know, I think, um, I think a lot of teachers believe in it, but aren't necessarily going to do that because it feels scary and it feels different.
1: And then, and then I think
0: there's a second piece that's important that I never want to deny. And that's the, that's the policy piece. Like we, we have to define success different in a different way than a standardized test. Like we just have to do, we have to do better than that. And, um, and I think that's a a big piece of of what gets in the way too. um, you know, we're ultimately going to value what we assess and we're we're going to, and right now what we assess is, you know, standardized test results. Um, and so, you know, things like lifelong learning or creativity or, or, choice or personalization or any of those differentiation all of those things um, will just be buzzwords until kind of the policies change and that's the that's the hard work I mean that's the complicated side because policy changes are hard to pull off but I, but I think that piece has to change too
1: um, well John this has been a fantastic uh, conversation uh, I want everyone to know um to go ahead and look up, launch and empower um, and um, I'm well, I know that they're available on Amazon, but are they do, are they yeah. available on your website as well?
0: Yeah, yeah, you can get it. So if you check out my website at spencerauthor.com, you'll you'll see that the books are there too.
1: Okay. Um, and thank you for your time. Well, thank you so much. That is our show. We would like to thank speaker and author John Spencer for joining us on the Think Inclusive podcast. Make sure you check out his website, spencerauthor.com and you can find him on Facebook and Twitter. Follow Think Inclusive on the web at thinkinclusive.us as well as Twitter, Facebook, Google plus, and Instagram. Today's show was produced by myself talking into USB headphones a Zoom H1 Handy Recorder, MacBook Pro, GarageBand, and a Skype account. You can also subscribe to the Think Inclusive podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Podomatic.com, the largest community of independent podcasters on the planet. From Marietta, Georgia, please join us again on the Think Inclusive podcast. Thanks for your time and attention.